Hey, hey, remarkable people. This is Tracy Robbins, and you are listening to Thy Neighbor Podcast. This podcast is designed to inspire you to expand your community, to connect more often with those who are in your path, and of course, to love thy neighbor as thyself. You will hear from individuals in my day-to-day life who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. Have a listen. Chelsea Newman is from small town Idaho. She is currently living in Chubbuck, Idaho, and she can usually be found singing in her kitchen or garden, and she is a truth seeker as well as an adventurer. She has a happy personality with a heavy soul, and she is one of those people who honestly exudes a different level of joy than most people. I feel like Chelsea has this gorgeous curly hair, and I feel like God gave her curly hair because it, it is a compliment to her energetic and vivacious personality. I'm so excited to have Chelsea Newman on the uh, podcast this evening. And Chelsea and I were roommates at BYU-Idaho, and we've just kind of stayed in touch here and there. And I recently saw her and her three beautiful children, and I'm so excited for her to share her thoughts tonight. And first off, of course, we're going to start off with that question about you described yourself as a happy personality with a heavy soul. Can you tell us more about that? So it's actually a meme that I found and I sent it to my husband because I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. And he just laughed because he's like, I said, who does this remind you of? And he's like, that's you. And so you, I love what you said about my hair because (laughs) it's so funny. I have this crazy curly hair. I just cut 16 inches off. It used to be this lion's mane. Right. And so, but it is like very curly. It's like always trying to move up and just be the center of attention and the life of the party. So that's kind of how I am. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I feel like I had a pretty happy childhood, but I went through some really, really hard, hard things really early on. And especially in my teenage years, And I just, I think what that has given me is I'm able to recognize the hard things in life too, because I've experienced so much of it. And I have had experience with anxiety and depression. I feel like there's two parts of me that are always kind of in a war. Like I have this happy personality. I always, since I was a little girl, have been able to see the big picture and look for the good in things. And sometimes that drives people crazy about me because I feel like I analyze everything and I'm like, okay, I know this is really hard, but what can I learn from it? And I'm doing that while I'm going through that. And that drives people crazy because have you ever seen that video of the girl that's got the nail in her head and she's talking to her husband or her boyfriend and she's like, it's not about the nail. I'm the person who's just take the nail out of your head. I'm always looking for the way to get through it. And some people just don't have that personality. Like they just want to be in that hard, you know, and I experience the hard and I can feel it and recognize it. That meme, it says I have a happy personality with a heavy soul. And sometimes things get a little bit weird. And I think it is really because those are like so opposing. You've definitely been through some things. And so of course there's 
also, uh, like there's a weight that comes with that, I think. And so it's inevitable to like, not acknowledge all of who we are, right. That there's just many things that create a human soul. I'm so grateful for yours. <laughs> and uh, you are all about following your intuition. So tell me more about what that means to you. Okay. So I don't know what you think intuition is or what everyone thinks intuition is, but it's like a lot of people describe it as this gut feeling that you get. Right. And it's this deeper part of you that it's a knowing that you don't have to use your logical mind to reason. It doesn't make any sense. I actually, I love listening to your podcast and I feel like so many of the people that you have interviewed they talk about intuition. They're not necessarily saying that that's what it is, but they're following their intuition. And so when you asked me to be on the podcast and that's what you were interested in, I was like, what else can I share? Because especially the three that most come to mind is Wendy Van Dam and Christina Judd. And then I should not have listened to today, but Julie, oh my gosh. I was like, what am I going to share when Tracy interviews me? Because her story is so similar to mine. Like, oh my goodness. And she, from what I understand and listen to from what she shared with her story, she is so good at following her intuition. But um, as I've kind of thought about what hasn't been touched on, I, I think there's two keys to intuition that if you can understand them, you can use that intuition muscle. And so the first thing is intention. And Julie Lee, actually, she kind of touched on it. Um, I don't think her definition of it was very clear, but I think she has, I think she understands it and has the right idea about it is that if you set the intention, then the intuition will fall. Like your desire has to be sincere, right? I love the scripture in the book of Mormon. That's like, pray with a sincere heart to know if it is true, and then it will come. So if you're not sincere, then it's not going to be correct intuition that comes to you. And so then the other thing is the second key that I think that helps you build that intuition muscle is surrender. And you and I kind of talked about this a couple of days ago when we met for lunch, but I feel like a lot of times when I have experienced intuition, when I didn't know that that's what it was, what helped me build upon it was even though it was scary and I was having this feeling or prompting this gut instinct that I needed to do something, I didn't know why. And I was questioning it in my mind, but if I followed through on it, then eventually the why does come. And sometimes I think maybe it might not come in this life for us, but I've worked that muscle enough times to know that no matter how long it takes for that answer to get here, I'm still going to follow through on it because eventually I will understand why. So if you can master those, that having a sincere intention and then surrendering to the answer, whatever it might be, because it might be really crazy or not make any sense. And people around you are going to think that you're crazy sometimes if you follow through on it. But I feel like intuition, it's us connecting to that defined part of ourselves. It's us aligning our will with heavenly father's will. And so it's like, no matter how hard it might be to put the picture together, it will always work out to be this masterpiece of a puzzle. It just, 
you just have to follow through on it. So that's what intuition is to me. <laughs> and tell me about, uh, can you think of any specific experiences that you've had following your intuition and what that experience was like for you? Sure. <laughs> My husband and I actually talked about this when you sent the questions that you were going to ask me. And um, I was reminded. So I think I've always kind of followed my intuition, but I think the first really big one experience that I had was um, right after we got married, I had some people in my life that were not a good relationship to be in. And they were causing me a lot of strife in my life. And we were living in Rexburg, Idaho, which I'm from Southeast Idaho. So it's really easy to come see me, you know, like I wasn't far away. Anyways, um, I had, I had never lived outside of Southeast Idaho and, um, I don't know why, but in, it was about, we had probably been married for eight months, I think. And I got this weird thought one day I was at work to go on vacation to Kalispell, Montana. And I don't know why, I had never been there. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't, I had never heard of Glacier National Park. I didn't know anything about Kalispell, Montana, but I just, for some reason that, that name kept coming to my mind. So I was, I remember being at work and I looked it up on the map of Montana and the 4th of July was coming up. And so I went home that day and I was like, Andrew, do you want to go to this place on vacation? It looks really pretty. So we took off that weekend and we went up there and um, as we were up there, we we just thought it was so pretty. And I started looking for jobs that were posted up there. And he's a mechanic and there was a mechanic job available. So we drove to the place where this job was posted on a Saturday. The, the guy that owned the place, it's closed on Saturdays. He just happened to be there working on his RV. And so we weren't really like looking for a job, but he sat there and interviewed my husband. And so we went back home and about a week later, he got a call and they're like, we actually had a guy that's a little bit more qualified. So the position has been filled, but thanks for applying. We really like you. If anything comes up, we want to keep in contact with you. And I was just like, oh, that was fun. But I didn't understand why we went up there. It was just a fun vacation. And then about a month later, we got another phone call and they were like, we are so booked. We don't have enough people. Can you guys move up here in two weeks? And it was just like, bam. And we, we didn't know why it, it just, it was so crazy. But what ended up happening is, um, we were looking for a house and the house that we ended up moving into, it was another one of those crazy stories where someone was where they shouldn't have been, but happened to be there. We went to a stake center and there was a bishop that just happened to be there. So we walked in, it was in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week. And we were like, Hey, we're looking for a house. Do you know of anyone that has anything for rent? And he's like, actually, this is so weird. Cause this lady isn't even in our stake or my ward, but she just called me. And so here's the information. And he hands us this note and her last name is Lee, which is my husband's mother's maiden name. And I was like, I wonder if these guys are related to your mom because she's from Cardston, Alberta, which is really close to Kalispell, Montana. So we get to that house and they happened to be there when we called. And so we went to this house and walked in and they were family. They were, they were first cousins of my husband's grandpa. 
So it just, I, I mean, like, so that is a really long story, but it just, there were so many other things that happened. And so what the reason that I feel like that was me following my intuition is what happened is we lived up there for about six years and it was the beginning of our marriage. We had our first child and we were far enough away from family that they couldn't just drop in unannounced. And so we were able to become our own people as a married couple. And I felt like that was the first time in my life. I had a a family member. It was a really narcissistic, abusive relationship. And I felt like I, I felt like I could breathe for the first time in my life. Like I, I started learning who I was as a person and it was all because I had this little feeling one day at work that we should take a vacation to Kalispell, Montana. And I acted on it. So it just, it, it just aligns like that. It's kind of crazy. So (laughs) that's the power of small and simple things. For real. (laughs) And tell me about that opportunity to get to know yourself in Kalispell, which is right by Glacier National Park, correct? Yes. We lived like 40 minutes from the gate. We were there all the time. I had bears in my yard all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Wow. So beautiful. So gorgeous. How has motherhood, because that happened while you were up there, humbled you and how has it strengthened you? Maybe even how has it helped you to follow your intuition? For one thing, we had a really hard time getting our first one here. We tried for like four years. And um, I feel like that's where I learned surrender because seeing other people having babies and I loved seeing that. Like you love your friends having their prayers answered, right? And you want to celebrate with them and stuff. But life is real and it stings when you've been praying for something and you see other people getting it and you're like, why not me? And I remember we, we kind of got to a point where we had talked about doing IVF, but we just, there was, we couldn't afford it. And so we didn't know what to do. And we had a little business that we had started. Um, He opened up his own boat shop and we lived on a lake. Like we had this just picture perfect life, except without kids. And so we started kind of talking about, well, what is for us? And we kind of started planning our lives for what they would be like if we didn't have kids. And I feel like I finally got to a point where I accepted that that would be okay if it didn't happen. And boom, I, I was 13 weeks pregnant before I realized that's why I was so sick. (laughs) I had gotten really sick and I just didn't think I, I didn't even think to check for pregnancy and it was morning sickness. (laughs) So Wait, you had missed your period for that long and you didn't notice? I well, I have PCOS, so I have problems <laughs> like that anyways, and so I didn't have regular ones, but yeah, it was just we thought something was wrong with my liver, like I was I had an appointment with a doctor to go check that cuz <laughs> we just thought I was so sick and it was morning sickness, but And yeah, I don't know, like that, it was that surrender thing. Like it's, if the plan doesn't work out how you think it should work out, I don't know. So that was a really humbling experience. And then something else that I learned when I had my second baby. um, So with my first, my husband owned his own business, right? And we lived right next to the shop. So 
if I needed help with something, he could like run in the house and help me, or I could go up and see him. And I feel like that was such a blessing, especially being away from family, because I didn't necessarily have that support. So when we had my second baby, we had moved back closer to home because we thought that it would be good for our kids to have a good relationship with their grandparents. And, um, I remember I just, I had a really, really hard time. My husband was working a job that it turned out to not be quite what we had thought it was when he signed up for it. And, um, I don't know, it just, he was having a lot of stress and anxiety at work. And as much as you try not to bring that home, it's hard to get through that. Right. And so we had my, my second baby and I just, it's so weird. Cause she was a way easier baby than my first one was. My first one was really colicky and crying all the time, but my husband wasn't there in an instant, like he was with the first. And so I felt alone. And we had also just moved into this new town. Like we got pregnant and had a baby within nine months of moving. So it was like, bam. And I didn't feel like I had like developed good relationships yet. And, and I was pregnant. And so that was making it even harder to like have friends, you know, and, um, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't leave the house after I had her. I was, I was alone a lot. And I started having postpartum psychosis and it was really, really, really scary. And it was getting to the point where I like trigger warning to anyone who is listening to this, but I was having thoughts of like driving my car off of the road with my kids or like putting them in the bathtub and it wasn't good at all. And, um, I remember one night I had been having anxiety attacks that were so bad that my husband was like holding me down to the floor sometimes just to get me to calm down because I was just going crazy. And, um, we had had a pretty good night and my daughter, my oldest daughter. So she was about three at the time. I had just put the kids down for bed And she was laying in her bed and I heard her from the kitchen. I walked back to her bedroom and she was kind of rustling in her sleep a little bit. And like, she was having a bad dream is what it seemed like. And I, I cracked the door open a little bit and I looked in and I heard this voice say, you are the reason she has nightmares. And it was just like this vacuum moment where I almost feel like I was like, hovering above my body, looking at myself, have this experience. And I felt myself started to go into that panic mode and have an anxiety attack again. And I, I did, I did have a panic attack that night. And I remember my husband taking me into the living room and I was just crying and not breathing. And, but the thing that happened with that experience is, um, I realized that you are the reason that she's having nightmares. A person doesn't talk to themselves like that, right? You would say I. And so from that experience, I realized that's not my voice. That's someone else telling me that. And so following my intuition, after I got through the panic attack and I realized that I was going to be okay and I could breathe again, I started really paying attention to what was at the beginning of those cycles where I was spiraling out of control. And what is the voice saying? Is it, is it my voice? Am I talking in first person or is it talking to me? 
And so when it was, I mean, like this took a long time, this has been years of work, but I have gotten to the point now where I don't even feel like I really get that voice anymore. It's like, I know what my inner voice is. And now my answers can come so quickly. And I haven't had an anxiety attack. I I just had my third baby is eight and a half months old. And I have, I remember one night since he was born where I kind of like laid down and I could feel myself, my heart fluttering a little bit. And I just was like back into that, who's talking here, you know, and it just went away and I've been able to breathe and not have those panic attacks anymore. It's, it's been such a blessing, but it was just recognizing who's talking. So. And what do people do when they're confused about if it's the spirit or if, or their intuition or it's the adversary or, uh, you know, the separate entities that are not helping us out in this life? Yeah, for sure. I think recognizing how the voice is talking to you, is it talking in third person or first person? And then I think also what is the fruit that it's bearing? Like, how does it make you feel? Because are you reacting to something that's happening to you or are you acting is the other thing that you could be doing. And, and so if it's a reaction to something that's happening around you, I don't think it's of the spirit. I think it's either the natural man or the adversary working against you. Right. And like the fruit of what it is, because the good fruit would be to act instead of react or the good fruit would be to listen. And you asked about the spirit, like how to know if it's the spirit or your intuition. And I feel like if you keep working that intuition muscle, eventually it becomes the same voice. You are listening to the spirit, but your voice is the same voice as the spirit. And it's just something that you have to keep working and working and working until you recognize it. So when I feel like I am following the spirit, for one thing, it's always good. I don't mean that it's always positive. It could be a negative thing because your intuition could tell you what you are doing is not okay. I've had times when I start yelling at my kids and my intuition is right there. And it's my voice saying, this is not who I am. And so it's like, okay, I could keep going and get even more mad at that voice because now not only am I riled up because of my kids and what they're doing that I feel like is bothering me, but I'm also riled up because I just got chastised by the spirit which is my own voice telling me that's not who I am. Why am I acting like this? Right. But, or I could choose to be, to, to, to provide that good fruit in myself and act instead of react to that voice and repent for what I did wrong in the first place. And then do the hard thing of not getting mad for getting chastised for it. Right. So I don't know if that answered your question, but you know what just came to my mind was Moana. Oh gosh, I love Moana. The part where it's like, this is not who you are. I know who you are. I mean, from what you're saying in a way, I think it's reminding ourselves. I know my true self. And God knows my true self. And that's who I want. That's who I really am. Mm-hmm. So how do I embrace that and and Um, more fully live in my true self. Yeah. How has motherhood 
strengthened you? Because I feel like you talked about how it's maybe humbled you, but how has it strengthened you? Uh, I definitely think that it has, like, I keep calling it a muscle because I love to work out, (laughs) but like built my intuition. Um, I remember one time, this was a really fun and kind of cool experience. I was sitting on my daughter's bed and nothing was wrong. We were all happy. And I just had this little gift come to my shoulder and whisper in my ear, you need to love her how she needs to be loved, not how you want to love her. And so I feel like what having kids does to us is like, it makes us get over ourselves. Basically. I I think a lot of times parents want to like live through their kids and I don't know. I think it teaches us how like we all have gifts that can benefit people. Right. But sometimes we have weaknesses that need to be strengthened through the gifts of others. And so I feel like my children's gifts have turned my weaknesses into strength. Like, like if I, I show love in one way, I'm, I do not like to be touched and my kids are crawling all over me all the time. Like, and so it's, it causes me to surrender myself to loving them in the way that they need to be loved. Right. I don't know. It just, and yeah, there's a lot of things that I feel like since I've had kids, I've realized that I was weak in some areas and they have turned those weaknesses into strengths for me. So, yeah. And I, yeah, it's a wild adventure being a mother. (laughs) It's changed me more than I ever thought it would. What a beautiful thing. I feel like most people I know who've become parents become better people. So I feel like like them a lot. I'm like, wow, you're, you're, you're getting tested and it's working out. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, Even though I think sometimes people think it isn't working out, I would say it is. What does your relationship with Christ look like? Oh man. (laughs) So I actually didn't grow up in, I don't want to say it wasn't a Christian home because I don't know. I, we didn't, I didn't even know that Christmas was about Jesus until I was like a teenager. And I wasn't really introduced to the savior until I was a teenager. Um, but I feel like I've always recognized the light of Christ because I've always felt like, I don't know, the scriptures talk about that burning of your bosom. Right. And I, I, even though I didn't learn about him as a child, I've just always felt like a kindred spirit with him. I didn't know who he was, but do you know that Akiana? I can't remember her last name. She paints the pictures. Do you know who I'm talking about? Okay. So she was never taught about Christ. She grew up in an atheist home and she would paint pictures of like Eve and Adam and Jesus Christ. And they're amazing, but I feel like that's kind of my story. Like I just, I knew the minute I heard the gospel, I knew it. I knew it was true. There was no question in my mind. And 
So developing a relationship with him, I, I love my dad so much. And, um, unfortunately we have not had a good relationship. I'm not close with him. We don't talk very often. Um, and I thought for a while that maybe that would hinder my relationship with my heavenly father and with my savior. And it really hasn't. I just, he, Jesus is my friend. Like I want everyone to know about him. I talk to heavenly father all day long through Jesus Christ. And I just, everything that I can soak up to learn more about him I seek it in my life because he has made my life so good. He has given me peace and hope and I just love him so much. He's amazing. (laughs) He is. And tell us, I feel like you did already give us some strategies that we can employ to follow our intuition more often, but do you have any other ideas that you'd like to share with us about, especially if people feel like they're not really connected to their intuition? What can they do to get more connected? This is so scary in this world, but seek quiet times. And if you really feel uncomfortable in quietness, I feel like there's a simple exercise that my friend has that she teaches. She has you like breathe and then ask yourself a question that the answer to would be yes. And just take note of how your body responds to that question with the answer of yes. And you're just in silence and breathing through it. And then usually people will say that they feel light or they feel peace or comfortable or warm. And then um, the other thing that you do is ask yourself a question that the answer would be no and feel how your body responds to that. And a lot of people say they feel heavy or drowsy or confusion or um, their heart is racing or their palms are sweating, that kind of thing. So I that I feel like is a cool exercise. I know she's helped a lot of people with that. Um, for me, I think, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of scriptures that Heavenly Father's like, test me, you know? <laughs> and so I'm just like, put it to the test. Like just, Take a moment and um, do it with something small. Like ask yourself what you should. Uh, Okay, honestly, this is so crazy, but I eat intuitively. So a lot of Americans eat way more or way less than their bodies need, right? A lot of Americans are extremely dehydrated. So this is something that you could start with is like, Ask yourself if your body needs more water. I guarantee you the answer is probably going to be yes. And then feel how your body responds to that. I love how you're drinking water now. (laughs) Kelsey, last time I saw her, she told me that she was going to travel the U.S. in an RV for the next year. And I thought that was crazy. (laughs) I think it's actually, I would be great to do it for like a month, maybe two. But I think... Extending it to a year seems like a real commitment. And so I'm curious, how did you discover and determine that you wanted to do that? 
Oh man. So this is another one of those Kalispell stories. Um, so the job that we moved down here for that didn't work out, my husband was laid off in November. It was like, I can't remember if it was right before Thanksgiving or right after Thanksgiving. I think it was after Thanksgiving of 2019. Right. So he didn't have a job. And I was like, we've got to sell this house because we're not going to be able to pay the mortgage. And I, I just was so excited about selling this house. We've never lived in the city before. This is the first house that we live in Chubbuck, Idaho. It's not a city, you guys, but it feels like a city to me because it's the first time I've ever lived in a subdivision. So it feels like a city, right? And so I felt like this was the opportunity that we had to get out of the city. And um, he ended up, oh my gosh, I got a job at Domino's <laughs> while he was like looking for a job. And one random night, this, I was, I was off the clock and I stopped to help a customer as I was walking out to my car and it was snowing. And this was when the pandemic was starting, right? So customers couldn't come into our storefront. So my husband lost his job right before a worldwide pandemic. It was crazy. We thought that our world was ending. <laughs> and so this customer came in and he liked my work ethic when he realized that I wasn't on the clock, but I was still helping him. So he asked me if I wanted a job and I had just started at Domino's. So I was like, no, but my husband's looking for a job. That's why I'm working here. And so he ended up taking this other job, which has been awesome. I love this guy. I'm so glad my husband is working with him, but it kept us in this city house that I didn't want to live in anymore. <laughs> and the whole time that this was all happening, I kept praying, like feeling like we should move and for a while, I got the answer that I needed to just make the best of what I have. And so I was like, okay, but I would still ask because I just, I'm like, okay, can we move now? Like we've stayed for another month. Is it time yet? Anyways. And so what ended up happening is, um, we had a friend move from Texas back to Idaho and she's got three kids that are really close to my kids' ages a little bit older and they were having a hard time finding a house. And so they were living in a camper. And so my husband and I had talked about maybe sticking around this area and not, um, but like going to the country more so that he could still work this job that he's got right now. And so we were talking about maybe moving into a camper on a piece of ground while we built a new house. And I was like, we could totally do it because my friend with three kids is doing it. And my husband's like, you're crazy. Like he's not even going to pray about it because we're not going to live in a camper with the kids. Right. And, but he's like, well, I kind of would like to live. He's a farm kid would like to live, you know, away from the city again, that wouldn't be a bad thing. And so he kind of started dabbling in prayer with it. And then so this was like April-ish of um, 2021. So like a whole year has passed and we're still sitting in this house after I thought that we should sell it. And um, I, I, I was praying about it. And I remember I went to the temple and I got in my car and my phone was just set to play random general conference talks. And the conference talk that came on was President Eyring. Um, I think the talk is called I Love to See the Temple. 
And he tells this story of kneeling across the altar with his wife. And the, I think, I can't remember who was sealing them. Anyways, he told them that they needed to live in a way that they could be ready to go when the Lord called them. And I'm like, so this is intuition. I could like see my family in this camper. And I was like, I don't know why or what that means. But so I started doing some research on it and I started finding these families. They have like six kids and they're living in an RV. And we started doing the math and the numbers were just really working in our favor. And so it would work for us. And once my husband finally got on board with me, like I felt like I had had a confirmation that this was what we needed to do as an answer to my prayers. But I was like, I'm not going to push him if he doesn't feel right about it. Like, I don't know why he doesn't feel right about it. I'm just going to keep talking to him until we do figure out what the next step in our lives is. Right. Cause I'm always, I don't like to be stuck in one place. I feel like the whole reason that we are here is to experience life and progress and learn new things and meet new people. Right. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to pack up your family and take an RV across the country, but ask what you're doing. And if you're growing where you're at, and if you're not growing, why are you here? Like, what are you doing with your time on earth? If you're not, and you don't have to be this amazing champion. Like you could just, I mean, what we're doing we want to live a simpler life. I feel like I spend so much of my time moving stuff around our house, cleaning. It just, I feel like we have so much and it's just, I'm way, way excited about the idea that we get to take these kids who are at such a a time in their life where they're learning so much and we get to go show them different cultures and show them how big the world is in our own little corner of the United States. And I also am really excited about, we don't know what's going to happen. Like we live in a really uncertain time, right? But I am excited to put this whole intuition thing to the test even more. And just, I feel like since, since my husband made the decision that he was on board with this, it's a callous bell thing again, where the puzzle pieces are just fitting together. He's a mechanic and we found this pickup for sale that has this special bed on the back that is going to be perfect for his tools. And so he can be a mobile mechanic, you know, like it just, it's been amazing. We found some amazing people that I feel like God has led us to that are teaching us that this lifestyle is something that you can do and you can do it with a family. And I feel really privileged saying this. I know not everyone is this privileged, but we, we won't have any debt right now. I just feel like that's a really smart thing to do in such uncertain times. And I'm really excited about the prospect of just being able to go wherever we want to go and not have anything holding us down. So we've just about got our house ready to put on the market. And then we'll spend a couple of weeks with family once our house sells and then go pick up our camper and hit the road. That is so exciting. This is my biggest concern for you. Do you worry about finding your own space to commune with God, to journal? I have not really thought about that. So I, okay, since my baby isn't nursing anymore, (laughs) 
I make it a point to get up before the rest of my family every morning. And I try to have at least an hour before anyone else is up to have that time. And so the, what we've been looking at the kids and Andrew and I will have our own bedroom areas in these campers that we've been looking at. And so I would be able to be in the living room, but most of what we're doing, we're trying to find, like, we'll be going down South for the winter. So it'll be warmer. And I love to be outside and sometimes, okay. So as a mother, especially with a nursing baby, I found that it is not very practical to always have specific, like an hour of time set aside to do scripture study and prayer, you know, like it just isn't, it, it doesn't happen. And so something that I have learned is how to commune with God through the noise. And so like you asked earlier, what are some exercises that you could do to learn how to work that intuition muscle? And I talked about finding quiet time. Sometimes that's just not a possibility, especially for people who have young kids. It's just always chaos. And so I think that's a really good question in prayer when you do get a quiet moment is like, Heavenly Father, how can I reach you through the noise that is going on around me? Because circumstances aren't always such that you can have that specific quiet time set aside. And then the other thing too is, we like to go out and hike and I, I probably won't have a garden traveling on the road, you know, like that doesn't make a lot of sense, but I do love playing in the dirt. And I just feel like getting out and like grounding yourself with earth. I feel like that is a time going out and enjoying Heavenly Father's creation, you know, and then also this is such a blessing with my husband not having to go to work nine to five anymore we're planning on going to places that have temples. And so we'll be able to switch off with the kids. And so there will be that time as well, whenever we're around a temple. So what do you have to say about being a truth seeker? Cause that's something that you described yourself as. I think it goes along with intuition. Like they're like truth and intuition are two sides of the same coin kind of thing. And so I just feel like I think it's really been coming out lately. All of these skeletons are coming out of people's closets, right? And um, I love, President Nelson started this last general conference with the phrase, there is absolute truth. And I feel like the more truth you can glean in this life, the easier your life becomes. Um, I don't know. He He's so inspiring to me. He's one of my favorite, favorite people on earth, but... He has this experience that he, for anyone that doesn't know who Russell M. Nelson is, he's the prophet of our church, but he is a heart surgeon or was a heart surgeon as well. And he helped create the heart lung machine, right? And there's a scripture in Doctrine and Covenants, every blessing has a law upon which it's predicated. And so when he read that scripture, when he first went into medicine, there was a belief that if you touch a beating heart, it'll stop beating. And so he, he was like thinking of that scripture, what are the laws of a beating heart? Because he was seeing these people pass away because they couldn't have their hearts operated on. And so he started studying the laws of a beating heart. And I feel like law and truth are 
kind of the same thing, two sides of the same coin, right? And so if you can find something that you want to understand more of and search for the truthfulness of it, you'll understand how it works and you can manipulate it for the good in your own life and to bless the lives of others. So that's what I mean by being a truth seeker. I love that. I I really resonate with that, especially in my mind. I was like the abundance, like what's the laws, the laws of abundance, the laws, yeah, social laws. What are like, there's, there's laws that really do dictate a lot of the things in our lives and we can learn things. We can learn those laws and learn how to apply them in our lives so that they can benefit, benefit our day-to-day life. You share yeah. with us a favorite quote and book and podcast. Okay. I want to know if you know where this quote comes from, because I think you'll recognize it. It was my senior quote, and it still is so strong with me, is that while in the pursuit of happiness, one should stop and just be happy. Do you know that one? Do you know where it's at? I I don't know who said that, but I have heard it and I love it. It's such a great one. It's on the the porch in the BYU-Idaho gardens. They've got it painted on there. (laughs) Okay. This one's so hard for me because I love reading and okay. So I narrowed it down to two. (laughs) The first one is Russell M. Nelson, Father, Surgeon, Apostle by Spencer Condy. I feel like of any book that I have read, I, that is one that I walked away from it and I actually applied so much just from his example and things that president Nelson has done in his life. And just, I, I took from it and applied those things to my own life. And it has made such a positive difference in my life. He, like I said earlier, he's one of my favorite people. And then you are special by Max Lucado. I seriously, (laughs) I have copies of that book, like the board book on shelves in my room and my kids' rooms. And I've got a copy of that book in almost every room. I love that book so much. So good. Oh, my favorite podcast. I have two that I'm going to share too. (laughs) I love Unashamed with Phil Robertson. Do you know Duck Dynasty? The patriarch of that family, Phil Robertson, and it's called Unashamed. And I feel like it's Redneck Church. Like I love that podcast because I laugh out loud and it's just so lighthearted, but also they preach. And it is so good. And they preach so much truth and they know their scriptures so well. I just love that podcast. And then the other one that I love is called, um, I think it's Finding Christ, the Finding Christ podcast, maybe. And it's by Tara Williams. And she is someone that I have learned a lot about intuition from, but she, she understands the atonement so well and has really helped me like build my understanding and faith in the atonement. And I, I just think she's had some really interesting experiences in life and she's really good at sharing and gleaning knowledge and sharing that from her experiences. So I really love the finding, finding Christ podcast with Tara Williams. Well, thank you for those wonderful recommendations. And Chelsea, will you tell us how you were introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ and how you joined the church? Okay. (laughs) So, um, my mother's family are actually members. And, um, so I kind of, 
I, I remember like every once in a while, if there was a blessing or a baptism, we would go when I was a kid. Um, but I didn't really start looking for a relationship with Christ myself until my parents got divorced when I was 14. And I remember I started going to multiple churches and just, I was looking for something, but I didn't know what it was. And I was going to non-denominational church and I loved it, but I just, I didn't feel, this is that intuition thing kicking. And I think, um, something just didn't feel whole when I was there and with what they were teaching. And so eventually missionaries showed up on my doorstep one day and I started listening to them and I started going to church and I've never felt like I had a home, but when I hear gospel, like the tabernacle choir, the hymns, or I read the scriptures I feel at home when I go to the temple, I feel at home. And now since I've accepted that gospel message and built a relationship with Jesus Christ and brought that into my marriage, I knew just growing up the way that I grew up that I wanted to build a home on the foundation of Christ with my husband. And so we have done that and it doesn't matter where we're at. The feeling that is there is a feeling of home. Like it's not a place necessarily, but it's what we live and it's where we go and it's who we associate with and it's how we associate with others. And we talk of Christ and we rejoice in Christ and we love him so much. And I'm just so grateful for the relationship that I have with him and everything that he has done to change me. Cause I used to going back to that, me being a happy person with a heavy soul. For a long time, I was a very heavy person. People did not want to be around me. And I feel like I'm not that person anymore. And it's because of the Savior.